0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You're listening to Locked On College Football Kickoff Live with myself, Drake Toll of Locked On Big 12, Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC, and Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. Live every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern time, wherever you get your Locked On favorites on YouTube. Let's take a look around the country in college football. Contrary to what many people are saying, this is College Football Kickoff Live. Drake Toll here from Locked On Big 12. That's Ketan Gibbs from Locked On ACC and Locked On Wolfpack. Alex Dono, Locked On Canes. Thank you for making Locked On College Football Kickoff Live your lunchtime listen every single Friday. Ketan Gibbs, the moment has finally come. You were so passionate a couple of weeks ago about Tez Walker who was ineligible, was not allowed to play, yeah. whereas somebody can come out and say they stubbed their toe, had to move schools, and they are granted eligibility immediately. But now, finally, the right thing has been done. Tez Walker will be on the football field Saturday.
2: Absolutely. I've talked about this ad nauseum. The first transfer he has should not have counted, period. The NCAA was trying to go so tough by the letter of the law that they didn't realize sometimes the application of these things have to be different from the reality of what's going on there's not life isn't black and white there are beautiful colors all in between but if you want to keep it that way it's a it's a very uh veckless use of your time and to go a step further the governor wrote a letter and then the attorney general of the state wrote a letter thinly veiling the threat of a lawsuit in there and i'm going to tell you this sets a very dangerous precedence because now the ncaa is is basically meat in terms of oh you made a ruling we don't like hey Get the governor on the phone. Get the AG on the phone. We're going to get our boy active. And that's just what is going to happen from here going forward, because we've seen how political power can flex its muscle in these affairs, which is something I am wholeheartedly against. I pay the players, do what you want with all that good stuff. Keep politicians out of this thing.
1: Yeah. Kenton, I, 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 I'm right there with you. It's here's a good thing that happened, but who was the person that initiated this happening? And and is, did that go correctly? Dono, you've got now the government stepping in effectively and making sure this thing moves forward. Where do you second? It's a good thing, but how we got there is a little funky.
0: Well, another thing about how we got there is clearly, uh, the NCAA, they buckled under public and political pressure. I'm glad they finally did the right thing, but They tried to blame this on North Carolina for why now is the time that they chose to grant the weight, which I thought was incredibly weak by the NCAA. So the NCAA is saying that, well, now we have received in the latest application – new information that North Carolina had neglected or failed to give us in the previous eight attempts that they tried to get him this waiver and so now we have no choice but to grant it which is like okay you don't think North Carolina even before the politicians started stepping in which I'm with you guys I don't love that either mm-hmm. because the government has enough things on their plate without being a without being forced to yeah, they can handle right. college football left and right like there's plenty of other things going on in Washington DC right now where this seems like a bridge too far but uh, i just thought with the ncaa only the ncaa can find a way to do a good thing and still make themselves look like clowns by doing it because trying to put it on north carolina for why he finally gets cleared for week six um that was one of the things that immediately i raised an eyebrow
2: at and and i want to just say this about that whole like the the ncaa trying to throw north carolina under the bus name say it with the chest say mm-hmm. what happened and how it happened right. I'm a big proponent of name names or keep it on the playground. Say what was shared that was new. In previous statements, they did not share with us that this specific thing had happened. We can show the documentation and proof to prove that this thing did not happen. And if you don't do that, then at that point, you leave it up to speculation, which I don't know if you know this, NGA, but dating back to Brian Bosworth, the Boz and the Mohawk, you all have looked like idiots. Dating back to the creation of the word "student athlete," where you did it to keep a young man from getting workers' compensation after he was permanently paralyzed on the field, you've looked like a little bit of a farce. And now we're in the end game, as Tony Stark would say. Because guess what? Your days are numbered. It's the, it, you're heading towards the end of the road for you. And moments like this don't help. Where oh well, well, if they would have gave us the information, is the information a lawsuit, brother? Is the information a lawsuit? Do mm-hmm. you can be honest about it? You'll be honest, you know, but the information is I didn't know that Josh Stein had it. He had a locked and loaded uh, uh, court briefing ready for me. And we didn't need those problems. At the end of the day, the NCAA is absolutely a clown show for, again, not saying with their chest, this is what they did wrong. This is how they did it wrong. And this is where we stand on it. We'll allow him to play. But just so y'all know, this is what we didn't have.
1: However we got there, still huge for Tez Walker, taking the NCAA out of it for Tez Walker to be on the field, for Mac Brown UNC to get this. Massive for a kid who deserved it from day one. Um, Interesting development here. You get a car, you get a car, you get... uh, Nope, you're a walk-on, you don't get a car. Scholarship (laughs) players at Utah will all get trucked um, I mean, so I love it. Urban Meyer, former Utah coach, there's a tie in, went to Florida. He said, I treat my superstars like superstars, my dirt like dirt. The great players get steak and lobster, the bad players get hamburgers and hot dogs. Kyle Whittingham says, All my scholarship players, you get a truck. My walk ons do not. Kenton Gibbs, we're in an era of NIL and college football. This is not shocking, but boy, it's wild.
2: Listen, um, you know. The NBA young boy came out with a song called "Fresh Prince of Utah," and everybody wondered why. And apparently, we see why it was a parade inside his city because everybody and their mama was getting cars. I mean, uh, is it is it Kyle Whittingham or is it Oprah Winfrey in a tall white man bodysuit? We need to know. These are questions that we need to know. For those of you who don't know, back in the '90s, that was Oprah's bit. That was her thing. Everybody, hey, everyone, reach under your seats because I'm sure that that's how it that's how it went down in uh, in Utah's team meeting. But very seriously, this is one of those moments where, honestly, I'm not mad at it at all. I'm not mad at it at all. Like, yes, I would have loved to see the walk ons be included in it. Of course, of course. I'm just one of those guys that, I mean, the walk ons they get beat up on every day in practice, and then like you get beat up on, and now you got to go to your little torn up Hyundai that's got like 80 recalls on it, and you just you and Brock Purdy both
1: you're you're driving the same cars, Brock Purdy.
2: Exactly, and 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 then you got to look at the starting tackle that's putting your head in the dirt every play. Oh, that's a nice four rafter you got there. Oh, well, but no, very seriously, I'm glad that the players are being compensated for all the value that they bring. Because let's just be honest, we've talked about this plenty of times. When teams win, what happens? All of a sudden, all these new buildings start popping up around the school. All of a sudden, all these endowments start growing. All of a sudden, all of these these newfound donors want to donate, and every penny ain't necessarily going to the program. So where's the money going? Well, the money is apparently going to trucks for these players, which I'll take it. I'll buy it. I love it.
1: Yeah, Dono, it is the Crimson uh, Initiative, the Utah Crimson Collective that did this. Uh, Are you on board with everybody getting trucks? I mean, this seems pretty neat to me no i'm on board um you know
0: unlike kenton my brain didn't immediately go to the walk-ons because the walk-ons they they get the shaft in every yeah, aspect yeah. right this, is, just this is not example. new this is not the first when place that's happened 85 scholarship players getting these cars and yeah. this is you know they dotted all the i's crossed the t's this is a legal nil deal and i think this is a pretty cool display of the power of name image and likeness because this does a lot of good for utah Right? Because every player that they're recruiting is going to say, well, okay, that's pretty cool. They're giving mm-hmm. these guys trucks. Like, that's pretty neat. Uh, I would imagine there's also a lot of goodwill here for Ram, you know, because the, these are all Ram trucks. So their name gets in the news quite a bit. Uh, I would imagine there's probably a local dealership that's behind this, facilitating yep, yep. the leases. So they get goodwill, good, goodwill as well. So I think this is a cool example of NIL working because, guys, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, that allegedly goes on behind the scenes with NIL, a lot of these like quiet payouts from collectives that aren't really in the spirit of NFL, because the spirit of NIL is really supposed to be advertising. Like that's what it's supposed to be. A lot of times it's not that, it's just recruiting bidding wars. But I think in this case, the advertising part of it actually works because Ram, Utah, the dealerships in question, they get positive uh, PR from this. So I like it a lot.
1: There's ROI here for everybody involved, which is what I think NIL was supposed to be from the jump. This is doing NIL correctly, in my opinion, over at Utah. Now, this week, we have a ton of ranked-on-ranked games, the biggest game of the week being Oklahoma and Texas, the Red River rivalry, the last one in the Big 12 taking place this week. And before we take you out to Houston, we've got Jonathan Davis from Locked On Longhorns, Josh Helmer, John Williams of Locked On Sooners to break down how they think this one will go.
3: I think that a lot of it's going to come down to how does, how does the Oklahoma defense slow down Quinn Ewers and the offense? I mean, Texas is running the ball really, really well. And if they can't stop the run, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to slow down Quinn Ewers. And it's not that Quinn Ewers is a bad quarterback incapable of picking up second and longs, third and longs, but that's where Brent Venable's defense thrives. If they can get, Quinn Ewers, the Texas Longhorns into some second and third and longs, it's going to be a long day for the Longhorns. And, and I think that's going to be key. That's to me, the biggest key of the game. Even if Oklahoma can't run the ball themselves, if they can slow down Texas's run game, it'll kind of play into their favor. I, I feel good about this team. I've been talking about it for months, Oklahoma, right now they're five and O against the spread. Uh, So playing really, really good. They're they're putting up points. They're slowing teams down. It's a good defensive team, a good offensive team. So I'm feeling great about where Oklahoma is at heading into this one, even though Texas may still be the better team. We know it's a coin flip game, right? Every single year. It doesn't matter what the rosters look like, what the trajectory of the teams look like, the records look like. Throw it all out the window as the, the the proverbial rivalry game would state in the rivalry book. Uh, but Jonathan, how do you see this one playing out? What's your prediction? Give it to us.
4: Yeah, my favorite questions to ask, the million-dollar questions, the the questions that the fans are waiting for, who wins, who covers. Right now, FanDuel has it as Texas minus 6.5. I say Texas wins, Texas covers. This defense has not given up more than 24 points all year. I'm not going to disrespect them and say they're going to do it for the first time this Saturday. I actually have the exact same Alabama-Texas score, 34 24, right? I think it kind of goes the same way, maybe minus the turnovers. I don't see Dylan Gabriel throwing two interceptions. I think Texas takes the lead. I think Oklahoma keeps it close, even takes the lead at some point. And then I think in the third or fourth quarter, uh, Texas kind of takes off. But it's a close game all throughout. Texas ends up winning by 10 points in this edition of the Red River Shootout. Once again, 34 to 24 to move to 6-0. and And once again, keep controlling their own destiny in route to hopefully a big 12 championship
1: and a college football playoff appearance. The eyes of Texas are upon you. And I love the longhorns. Kenton Gibbs, this I look Oklahoma's good. Be, be certain they finished under 500 last year. You can try to sweep that under the rug, but to me, they still haven't proven anything. They haven't haven't beaten anybody formidable this season. Texas went on the road and beat Alabama by double digits. Give me the Longhorns here.
2: This is a Brent Venables stand account. You understand? If you see fan camps popping up with Brent Venables on the sideline with that locked jaw, with the coach, the strength coach holding him back, it's me. I'm the guy who did it. I'm the villain. I'm the coach. With that being said, although this is a stand account, this ain't a delusion account. You understand? Now, the, the reality is, Texas is the better team. And one of the things that Texas does extremely well this year that I don't think people are talking about, they're one of the least penalized teams in the nation. I want to say that they're in the top 15 or 20 in terms of least penalties by yardage and penalties per game. And on top of that, their defense has, that's the story. That's, we knew Texas offense was going to be special. There was never the question about, oh man, can Worthy and Ewers and company get it together? We knew. We knew what was going to happen. We knew the guy backing up Bijan Robinson last year was a stud, and if he played on any other team, he'd probably be a starter, maybe an all-conference guy. But we looked at this team and said, Sark's not a defensive coach. What's the yeah. defense going to do? And with yeah. them coming along, with all due respect, I think that Brent has time, and time Mr. Venable's can catch up and make this Oklahoma team a formidable opponent. But for right now, I'll take Texas to win and cover
1: yeah, I and Quinn Ewers has not had to win these games. We have not yeah. seen peak yeah. Quinn Ewers yet. You know, I you, even statistically he has not built a Heisman caliber season because he hasn't had to. Texas has run the ball so well, 192 yards per game on the ground. When your defense is that good, your run game is that good with Jonathan Brooks, you're you're doing something right with or without Quinn Ewers going and being a superstar every week. When your quarterback doesn't have to be that guy and you're still winning games, that says a lot about this Texas team. Donna, where do you sit with this one?
0: Well, it's funny. We were watching that clip with the OU hosts and the Texas hosts, and they talk about you know how close this game is every year. I guess they're just pretending that last year didn't happen. Right. I know, right. I know <laughs> Oklahoma, I know that they John just slipped that one in there. It's like, this is a great game. Like, Always it's a great game. Well, they lost 49 nothing to Texas yeah. last year. I know they literally didn't have a, a quarterback in that game, so maybe they just pretend like that didn't happen. <laughs> now – I think Texas Ugh. wins comfortably again this year. It's not going to be as comfortable as it was last oh, year. No. I like the quarterback matchup. Dylan Gabriel's doing nice things for Oklahoma, but I give the edge to Quinn Ewers. Texas is running game, and Texas is running defense. I think it's going to be a big difference in this football game, and that's why I think the Longhorns are going to be very stingy just as a neutral I hope it's a high-scoring game because, guys, I've been watching this for, I I guess, over 30 years. I've been watching this matchup pretty much annually, uh, and as someone who has zero rooting interest in either team, I always make it a part of this particular Saturday to watch the Red River rivalry. They used to call it the Red River Shootout. I'm hoping it is a shootout tomorrow Mm because – that's what I would like to see. But I just don't think that Oklahoma is just going to have the guns, so to speak, to keep up with Texas because Texas's defense is too good this year.
2: On Wait paper- a minute. They changed it from shooter? Oh, yeah. no. Oh, cancel culture has gone too far. Uh, we, yeah, That's we. In the moment. No, I'm just joking. I'm just Go ahead. <laughs> It's uh,
1: it depends on who you ask, right? The, the the shootout shirts are still out there for Texas right, OU. Right. Um, I think the Big Twelve just wanted to rebrand to hey we play defense, so we took the word yeah. shootout out of there, right? <laughs> the uh, this matchup on paper though, ESPN has a fifty five percent chance for Oklahoma to win. A lot of the analytics favor Oklahoma, really, because yeah, because of the easy schedule that's been a big part of this. Is and I say easy. In comparison to Texas, what Texas has done. So for OU, Texas, while on paper, ESPN and other outlets have OU winning. I think if you've watched either of these two teams play, you can all we can all get behind the fact that Texas is the better team, and if they play to their potential, they win this game by seven, ten points. Cover the five. Speaking of covering, we got some sell me wise coming up. LSU, Missouri. Uh, this game is within a touchdown score for two ranked teams. But first, Dono.
0: I want to talk about LinkedIn. Guys, if you're a small business owner, these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, I've been on the other side of it. I have gotten jobs before through LinkedIn jobs as an employee, so I know this can work for your business. You add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And people will see it. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
2: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the years best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers and utility vehicles
1: Sell me why he get worse every week. The undefeated Missouri Tigers will host Brian Kelly's LSU Tigers tomorrow at noon Eastern time. And the line has been moving in favor of Missouri after starting at plus six and a half for those Tigers. Now it's down to four. Here's John Miller of Lockdown Missouri to tell you why to take Mizzou.
5: Hey, I'm John Miller with the Locked on Mizzou podcast, and I'm here to sell you on the Missouri Tigers beating the LSU Tigers. And really, it's quite simple. Even though we all know LSU struggled defensively against Ole Miss this past weekend, what you might not know is that Missouri has had one of the elite offenses in the country the past three weeks, in particular in the passing game. Now, LSU, obviously, has a high-powered offense of its own, but Missouri's defense, I would say, is at the very least a solid unit, maybe to above average, and I really don't think the Tigers, the Missouri Tigers, that is, have played their best game yet. So again, if you're going to be betting on somebody, make it Missouri this weekend. It's a lot closer to a coin flip than a a six-and-a-half point spread as it started off, now four-and-a-half over at FanDuel Sportsbook, So that's why I'm selling you on Missouri.
1: All right, Dono, what do we do with this? Missouri, I mean, this wasn't just a sell-me-why on the spread. This was Missouri to win outright. On the money line, baby. (laughs) I I don't know if I can buy this one, Dono.
0: I can't either, even though LSU has never won in Missouri before. They've only played each other three times. LSU is one and two. Their their lone win in that series was in Baton Rouge. And I also – listen – LSU should not be ranked. Like the fact that they're ranked with two losses yeah. and virtually no defense to speak of yeah. in those losses, it, it's upsetting to me. However, I still can't buy it because, man, so much of guys, when I'm actually putting my money on this stuff, so much of it relies on talent. And I do believe, even though Brian Kelly tends to get in his own way a lot, LSU is mm-hmm. still the more talented team. And that offense is going to be very tough to stop for Mizzou's defense. So, I am going with LSU to get their first road victory at at Mizzou and to cover that four-and-a-half-point spread while doing it. He almost sold me. He almost sold me because LSU is overrated, but I still think they get this done.
2: You know, I grew up going to a, uh, a small church in Detroit, Michigan called uh, Alpha and Omega Reform Missionary Baptist Church, okay? And one song we used to sing all the time is, I am sold out. My mind is made up. And I'm made up and bought in to Coach Drink. I'm going to tell you right now, Kelly is a first of a head coach. He is not the guy at LSU. He's not going to get it done. He has not found the ability to take any blame for anything that goes wrong down there. The problem with that is this. The players see that. And everything that head coaches do, everybody says that the program takes the the temperament of the head coach. That's what's going to happen at LSU. That lack of accountability, it's going to spread. It's going to spread. Next thing you know, people are going to ask Jay Daniels, why don't you slide? Well, if the offense got more yards, maybe I'd do a better job of getting down and not having to get my clock cleaned every time. Then you ask offensive linemen, well, hey, why aren't you blocking as well for Jay Daniels? Well, if he sat back and hit his drops properly, I'm going to tell you, this is a situation where people are finally starting to see the real Brian Kelly. Because honestly, if we're talking talent, Dono, I believe that they are just as, if not slightly more talented than Florida State. But what happened in that game? Brian Kelly said, my corners keep getting dunked on. It's all right. Single high. They'll be okay out there on an island. They'll figure it out eventually. Eventually never came. Eventually was like a... Uh, the, the procrastination man from the Amanda show. Drake told Google that. You'll find out what it is later. I So but with the story.
1: lobsters, and then the lobsters come out on the stage. Yeah, okay,
2: all right. You got it. You got it. But I yeah, have no it,
1: idea what that reference is about. But <laughs> we the, have built a weird merge, Kenton, where Dono's too old,
2: and somehow yeah. I'm just yes. young enough. Just right. Just right. You know, we, We're like the, the the three little bears and their porridge and, and all that good stuff. They weren't but, all little, Kenton. They weren't well, all so, little. I, I'm sorry. Mama and Papa Bear are are little bears in my heart. But the reality is they're close to my heart, just like Coach Drink is close to my heart. And that guy (laughs) has got me sold. I'm buying Mizzou running out right.
1: Plus 164 on the money line from Mizzou this week. Uh, Yeah, we got one guy. We got two of us. Two of us are taking LSU and Kenton Gibbs on Mizzou. Dono almost sold. I'm splitting it down the middle with the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, the number 13 Washington State Cougars, who have been in the news lately with conference expansion, are they power five? Where will they go? They're headed to take on UCLA, and they have a lot to prove this whole season. But UCLA, who's unranked, facing a top 15 team, is a three and a half point favorite. The Bruins, Vegas loves them. Here is Zach Anderson, Yaksire to and tell you why you should take the
6: Bruins to cover. The Bruins are getting the points at home versus a top 15, top 16 team against Washington State. Not unheard of, but it's doable. How do the Bruins do it? I think they're going to cover because they've got a defensive line that's most unlike the majority of the Pac-12 teams and especially unlike anything Washington State and Cam Ward has faced this season. The Bruins have been forcing turnovers. They're in the top 25, forcing turnovers, having forced nine. I think UCLA gets Ward down at least three times with three sacks. Quite a few tackles for loss, led by Leatu Latu. And I think they forced Cam Moore to throw his first interception. All that and I'm not sure the Cougar defensive line is as dominant as Utah's will be or was against UCLA and Dante Moore. I think Moore after the bye has a rebound game and the Bruins put up some much better offensive numbers coming off a bye, just like Washington State. Hey, that's all the Bruins got to do to put up the points against the Cougars. Locked on UCLA, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, Go Bruins.
1: Hey guys, I, I got to ride the hot hand here with Washington State when when they have so much to prove this season, and wins don't exactly equate to a brand building or a team going to a Power Five conference. They could go undefeated, win the national title, and still not get that. But at the same time, the 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 echo in the locker room is that that's the case. Jake Dicker for for him, that's the case right now. So. I'm going to take Washington State here. UCLA, noon, there may be 15,000 people in that stadium. The atmosphere is not going to play a role in this. They put up seven points against a Utah team that got thrashed by Oregon State, who Washington State beat. Transitive property doesn't work in college football, but it does for me right here. I'm taking Washington State, Kenton.
2: Yeah, you know, it's always a great day for me when I get to talk back poorly about King High School graduates. For those of you who don't know, I went to Cass Tech. It's a rival of King. We're rivals with one another. Dante Moore graduated from King. And I'm going to tell you this much. Dante Moore will be Dante less this game. I'm <laughs> telling you what, this Washington State defense does not get their proper respect. They can create some turnovers with the best of them. But more importantly, they've got a Heisman candidate at quarterback. They don't have a guy that's good. And Cam Ward. That man is a freak of nature. I look at him and I think to myself, he is what I expected Eric King to be when he went to Miami, had it not been for the injuries and whatnot. When I when I watched De'Eric King play when he was healthy, I see Cam Ward's get, I see the, the translation and the overlap right there. Two guys that are freakishly athletic, but they also have that timing and that rhythm and that, oh, I know where the window is, where I need to hit it. I'm telling you, UCLA's defensive line is good. But it's a small thing to a giant for a quarterback who doesn't depend and rely on creating out of out of chaos. He's a guy I like it in structure. I like to know at, once I hit the top of my drop, the ball needs to be delivered here. And Ward does better than anybody in the country just about. So that's why I've got the uh, Cougs taking this one.
1: Donald, does the board agree here?
0: The board does agree. Um, I, I wanted to make the case for UCLA, but honestly the only reason why the spread is only three – is because they're the home team. And then, Drake, you made a good point about the fact that it's a noon game local time. And, you know, Los Angeles is a lot like Miami, where I live. It's hard to get people out for a noon game. It's a similar sort of culture out there. Uh, And also, you know, I I will take uh, that... Solid experience defense against a true freshman quarterback. Um, now, for UCLA, they are coming off the bye week, which can be a good or a bad thing. Sometimes people maybe just assume, oh, you're well rested. A lot of times teams come out flat after bye week. So for a lot of different reasons, I'm taking Washington State to cover. This probably should be more like a five and a half point spread. The fact that it's only three, I see opportunity here.
1: He is the fourth host of Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Kevin Borba, who joins us every week. The Colorado Buffaloes have lost their last two games against Oregon and USC. Now four and a half point favorites against the Arizona State Sun Devils in Tempe. That line opened at five and a half. Here is Kevin Borba again of Locked On Buffs to sell you why Coach Prime's team can cover.
6: I'm Kevin Borba and I'm the host of Locked On Buffs. And I'm going to tell you exactly why Colorado's going to cover the five and a half point spread against Arizona State this weekend. They are traveling on the road to Tempe, Arizona. Could be a tough one. It's going to be a hot one for sure. But here's the thing. Colorado just got embarrassed two times in a row against Oregon and USC. Played a lot better against USC. But this Arizona State team is struggling at quarterback. Their defense is solid, but their offense struggles to keep up. And I think that's where Colorado comes into play. And I think Colorado wins by double digits. I think Colorado could outscore them. I think they can make this what should be a shootout. But I know Arizona State's offense cannot keep up with them. So that being said, Deion Sanders, Shadur Sanders, Jimmy Horn Jr., Omarion Miller, the star of last week's game against USC, they're going to pop off this weekend, and Colorado is going to cover against Arizona State, and they're also going to get back in the win column after two straight losses, pick up some momentum, and get the hype train back on and back on. Colorado, they're coming, as they've been saying.
1: Kent, now I want to get your thoughts on this one first because here's what I see. Growing up in the SEC, I'd watch Arkansas play Alabama one week, LSU the next week then play Vanderbilt. And it kind of it, it would depend. You know, you had two really tough games, two really tough losses. You either beat the brakes off somebody, let off some steam, or you get caught up, tripped up by a team that you should beat. When you play that easy opponent that you expect to win by a lot against, that can that can create issues within the locker room from men, from a mentality standpoint. As somebody who played the game at the collegiate level, where do you sit with a matchup like this?
2: Yeah. So in a matchup like this, it's all about the temperament of the head coach, you know, and and I know that I say it's not about your X and O's, just your Larry's and your Joe's a lot, but that's when you actually get on the field. If we're talking about the preparation and what goes into this thing, I don't think that uh, Coach Prime has allowed them to, to feel good about themselves and say, hey, this is going to be an easy one. We're going to roll in this game, even though they should. I don't think that he's allowed them to have that mentality. I mean, for Christ's sake, the, uh, Arizona State, self-imposed the bowl ban this year and i imposed the ban on me dating serena williams as well you know i i know that she's married to a billionaire with a child but i imposed the ban on myself you can't do it you cannot do it i i I said i need to be fair to the other men of the world especially alexi her husband and all that and i said i need to put this ban on myself you know so much like arizona state i'm banning myself from things that weren't going to happen anyway and i don't think this game would have helped their toll to get there i think that um i think that Colorado rolls in this one, and, and you know, Kevin Borba, we have them all for a six and seven straight week to talk more Colorado, even during their bye week.
1: Yeah, Dono, who do you ride with this one?
2: I ride with Colorado. For the second
0: straight week, hashtag I'm with Borba. This spread is ludicrous. Arizona State yeah. is one of the worst Power 5 teams. Like, for... I don't care. They they could be playing in Tempe, they could play in Timbuktu. It doesn't make a difference where this game is played. Colorado is going to win this game, like Borba said, at least by a couple of touchdowns. Arizona State is awful. And you know, I'm gonna co-sign on what Kenton said about, you know, Dion probably instilling these guys with, with the right mentality for a game like this. I actually I got I'm seeing evidence of of his tough love uh paying dividends because a couple weeks ago Dion was very vocal about top recruit in the country who's a true freshman in their class, Cormani McClain, the former five-star cornerback who, you know, even after Travis Hunter first got injured, McLean wasn't getting on the field, and Dion was talking about, not enough work ethic, you know, not enough playbook study that he's just not checking off the boxes. Well, McLean finally did get on the field against USC and he played pretty well. And I was watching him pretty closely. He looked like a man possessed out there. So it seems like the motivational tactics that Dion is using are, are working, at least on certain players. And yeah, listen, Colorado is just They're going to score a lot. And, you know, Borba mentioned something about it being a shootout. And then, uh, you know, Brandon Olson, our producer, made a great point in our chat. Arizona State hasn't put 30 on anybody this year. So it's it's not going to be a, a shootout. I think it's going to be pretty lopsided where Colorado's going to score and Arizona State's going to run out of juice at some point.
1: Yeah, I think Jaden Rashada is a good quarterback, albeit young. I mean, he he's yeah. going to be someone who makes college football teams unhappy in the Big 12 as Arizona State makes that move. Colorado defensively allows 480 yards per game. That is a lot of yards, so I can see where the shootout mentality comes from. I mean, look, Arizona State should score 24, 28 points on this Colorado defense, as most teams have been able to do here. Um, obviously, this is a very a very much an inferior opponent for Colorado, but I, if they score 28, Colorado scores 56, you're still covering four. So give me the buffs as well. The, the entire panel agrees. Tell you what, let's do some booms or busts. Who around the country impressed you last week? Who has lost it all? That is coming up, but first, Dono.
0: Well, first, my friends, we have to talk about FanDuel. You can snap into action this NFL season, this college season. I mean, we've just been giving these crazy odds to you guys. You can jump into action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, which I love so much, over-unders, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on
7: and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
1: Thank you to our Italian ad reader. Boom or bust this week in college football. Look, I'll start it off with a boom team that we talked about already on this show that we have not talked about maybe yet until this week. It's the Missouri Tigers. Look, I, I get it. The schedule to this point has maybe not been elite. There have not been a ton of reasons to turn your eyes over to Mizzou and see what they're doing. But at the same time, they are undefeated top 25, and Kenton, you already said it, Eli Drinkwitz is doing something at Missouri right now that the nation's not looking at, and it's kind of how they like it. This is what Mizzou does. They come in, fly under the radar, play well, and Drinkwitz, who was effectively coaching for his job, has now gone 5-0. and Granted, again, their biggest wins against Kansas State. Their conference win is against Vanderbilt. They've got to prove it against LSU this week, but my boom, undefeated 5-0 Missouri Tigers, who I thought at this point could have been 3-2, and especially with a disappointing loss. They almost suffered to middle Tennessee state Kenton who's your boomer bust?
2: you know I, I I I'm from the home of the player haters ball and so I want to start off with a bust first okay mm. South Carolina has continued to look worse, yeah. and, worse and worse throughout this season yeah. so much so that them playing Georgia close was a victory I'm sorry what Brother, this is not a coach in year one. This is not a coach that's, hey, we're we're in our first year of a rebuild. We don't know what's going on. We don't. At the end of the day, there. I knew that there were going to be problems with that team when they were scrambling and adding defensive linemen, who they said were going to be in the rotation, a week before the first game. Yeah. yeah. I knew there were going to be problems. But, boy, have they appeared in a major, major way. Shane Beamer is is undoing a lot of goodwill that Pops has given him on the sideline just from that last name. It is looking nasty. It is looking ugly. And I'll tell you what, we joke all the time about LinkedIn and Billy. Billy might not be the only coach that ain't a coach in the SEC at the end of this season. I'm just saying.
1: Hmm. Dono, boom. Bus, what do you got first?
0: I'm going to go boom. I'm going to give you a boom 1A and a 1B because I i do have to
1: give some love to the team. Every that It's I so cover. positive. Every week, Dono. It is so positive. Super I try.
0: Multiple I'm always boom.
2: And that's I'm why I had to smiling. bring my player haters energy. I had to balance yeah. it out. All the, happy Ital-
0: balance.
1: the happy I, Italian I, guy I- from FanDuel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I will have a bus later, but I, I want I want to give a boom to Miami. Uh, you know they're they're favored big against Georgia Tech tomorrow, so hopefully they can live up to that hype because they're supposed to win the game by twenty against the Georgia Tech team that just lost to Bowling Green last week. But I watched a lot of improvement before my very eyes last season. Miami had the one hundred seventh ranked offense in college football. They're up to number seven right now. Tyler Van Dyke is very quietly the top graded quarterback in the country per pro football focus right now and the Hurricanes have the number one rushing defense in the country they were dreadful at that as well last year so I want to give some love to Miami Uh, but I also want to give a boom staying in the ACC I, I know I got Kenton's attention with this one locked on ACC North Carolina I mean UNC they've taken care of their business they're off to a nice 4-0 and start and They get Tez Walker back. We'll we'll see how much he plays against Syracuse tomorrow. Uh, And UNC plays Miami next week. So I would imagine Tez is going to be ready for a significant workload for that game. So you're taking already an excellent offense and making it even better by granting Walker that, uh, that, that waiver to play. So UNC, to me, is another team that's booming.
1: You know, there are some obvious busts as I go into mine from last week. You talk about a Houston team that's been really terrible, it, even sticking in the Big 12, UCF, that fall apart against Baylor. I mean, a historic, monumental fall apart as they they tried for their first Big 12 win. Then there's Arkansas, who struggled so mightily in the SEC under Sam Pittman, who's now been here four years, and the Florida Gators, who it goes without saying, are just really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, <laughs> Folks, as you can see, one of our producers is in fact one of the hosts of lock Gators, <laughs> and that's why Drake just got uh, uh muted with the thumbs down. We have the funnest producers in the game, by the
1: way. I have been waiting. I'm the only one that hasn't gotten muted, I think. So finally I'm about to I'm
2: about to get muted. <laughs> yeah, oh. I
1: uh my oh. bus team though is a team that's undefeated. <laughs> I'm gonna go with USC and the Trojans. This reminds me a lot of the Ian book quarterback Notre Dame teams that were supposed to be so good. But then finally, when the real competition hit, when the real, the big games came up, the defense was fraudulent. There wasn't enough offensively to constitute a, an undefeated record, a playoff type, type season. When I look at USC, I see a really obviously an elite quarterback, but the pieces around him, the defense, especially after this 48 41 win against Colorado and the way that it all kind of fell apart there at the end where Colorado had a chance to go win. I, at the first half, I'm thinking, all right, USC's legit. The defense looks good. Then came the fall apart. I'm just, I'm not buying USC to this point. I still think this team finishes in the nine and three, 10 and two range. They're not going to the college football playoff. The defense is not good enough. I am selling hard on USC and despite the win, I, again, this week proved to me the defense is just not there. Defense wins championships.
2: This team doesn't have it. So, this boom is going to be very niche, and it's also going to hurt my soul to say a little bit because I hate this position. But backup quarterbacks in the ACC, what a time they're having! What a time. I mean, you got Anthony Calandria at Virginia. What a freshman he's looked like. He's had some bad turnovers, but he's a freshman. You expect yeah. that. Some of his balls have been absolutely amazing in terms of the deep balls that he's putting out of there. Kyron Drones at Virginia Tech. Brother, if I look at the Kyron Drones or Mike Vick, I don't know. I former don't Former Baylor know. Bear, by the way, former I, Baylor Bear. You know, I, That's why I had to include him. That's would have I won the Heisman
1: at Baylor, just throw that out there.
2: Hey, listen. He, I don't know if random would. Never mind. We're not going to go there right now. We ain't going to go <laughs> But The fact of the matter is very simple. And then you got MJ Morris taking over for Brendan Armstrong at NC State. And and here's how bad it got. He hadn't even started or played a game yet this year, but he's still on this list for this reason. There were fans at NC State putting up missing and wanted signs for MJ Morris. (sighs) Folks. I don't think y'all understand just how excited people are to see this young man get out there and do it. I'm telling you what, these backup quarterbacks in the ACC, what a time to be alive because everybody loves them. They're all playing above their heads and doing great things. I know that Calandra's been replaced by Musket again, but still, he was great when he was in there. He was excited. He gave Virginia some hope. These these backups in the ACC have put the world on notice a little bit.
1: Mm. Dono, I can't. you already gave me two booms. <laughs> You have a third, or will you finally go a little negative on us and give us a bus? No, I'm going to go negative. I mean,
0: I, I might, I might get muted because how, how <laughs> can I not go with Florida? I mean, I, I, I had that Florida Kentucky. <laughs> the the way that I handicapped it last week was a coin flip game florida not only did they lose uh 33 to 14 they allowed one human being to rush for 280 yards and three touchdowns ray davis is still scoring touchdowns i I had questions about florida's offense now i've got even more questions about their defense that's you know that's my boss
1: Oh, the Florida Gators certainly were a bust this week after not just a loss to Kentucky, but they got killed. They really got killed. Uh, guys, let's let's keep a conference confidential conversation going with these leagues in that have these hopes of getting two teams in. Kirby Smart came out this week and said every team, Vanderbilt included, should be ranked in the SEC. Not, hey, we're in a down year or, hey, we need to clean some stuff up. Georgia has not looked crisp. Kirby Smart's excuse, every team in the SEC is good. Maybe there's some validity to that. You just don't often hear head coaches say it. Although I I don't see the SEC as a league that can get two teams in. I certainly don't see the Big 12 that way or the ACC. The Pac-12 seems, oddly enough, at at second in this race behind the Big 10. Is there another conference that's not the Big 10 that can get two in, Dono, or is it only the Big 10 that can do it?
0: Well, okay, first of all, let, let me address Kirby Smart's comments because, like, You can buy that argument some years that, oh, the SEC, they're just beating up on each other because they're so good. They've got a losing record out of conference. So how do you reconcile that? And listen, man, I'm I'm not saying the SEC is dead or anything like that. I'm sure they're going to continue to be. I mean, the Big Ten is obviously strengthening as well. But the SEC is going to continue to be a preeminent conference in college football. Can we just admit they're having a down year? Or they've had Mm -hmm. a down, you know, half a year Mm -hmm. so far. Apparently, Mr. Smart – cannot admit that but
1: no Which, it, and donno I, I, oh there may be yeah. only one conference and it's the dying conference that can say they're not having a down year i mean when you look at the the acc is missing its powerhouse clemson yeah. when when the big 10 is missing uh like is ohio state fraudulent are they good i mean there are some leagues right now that are trying to scratch and claw towards hey we're still relevant the pac-12 being the only one who's truly had consistency this year
0: Yeah, right. And that's true. But I will say, as far as getting two teams into the playoffs, um, the the Big Ten looks far and away the most likely right Mm -hmm, now. Now, obviously, you know, only one of them can win the conference championships. And Michigan and Ohio State do have a regular season matchup against one another. But they're both in the top four. And Penn State is in the top six. So, yeah, the, the odds are just in the favor of the Big Ten right now. And, you know, I think Ohio State, who looked a little rocky at the start of the year i i think that's a situation where they're going to continue to kind of figure it out as the season goes on and mccord is going to get more comfortable at quarterback so i i absolutely see the big 10 is the most likely to get two in this year yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. i thousand percent agree and i'll tell you this much kirby smart is not he's he's being very unserious this is Kirby has done a lot of unserious things. For example, having uh, his defensive end Nolan Smith saying, "Y'all thought that we were a seven-win team. Nobody thought that, Nolan. Your your head coach is is on substances that would get you kicked out of the NCAA. And you understand that's the only way that that anybody would actually have him believe that people thought you were a seven-win team, especially with the schedule. But now, moving on." The, the Big Ten is definitely the guys because you got Michigan, you've got Ohio State, you've got Penn State, you've got multiple teams that not only look good, they look dominant. They look dominant. And not only are they dominant in conference in terms of beating up on the other team, they're beating up out of conference. Out of conference, who wanted to see those teams this year? Who was saying, oh, yeah, I want to see Penn State. Oh, yeah, bring Ohio State on. Ohio State, for all the people say about them and whether or not – listen, Ryan Day embarrassed himself by going at Lou Holtz. But they got a top, what, 15 win in that game? Like, at the end of the day, he, it, a win is a win is a win. That's the even if they put 10 men on the field, you can't coach the other team. That's not his job. Uh, that Marcus Freeman, you got to put your 11 out there. So the reality is the Big Ten is the only conference to me that has a shot at this thing because the Pac-12 is defense optional. The Big 12, uh, I just, I don't doesn't see Doesn't exist world.
1: this year. Let's just not talk about it.
2: I I just don't see a world where both Texas and Oklahoma get in, even though there are the two likely candidates if there were to be two teams from there. And the SEC, they're a joke this year. They're a joke. Three and six out of conference. You're a joke. Looking terrible all throughout. Losing games that you should not. You're a joke. Because let's be honest, let's stop saying losing games you shouldn't at a certain point. That's who you are. That's who you are. We yeah. got to accept that Money Milro not being able to throw. That's who you are, Brian Kelly. That's who you are, Jimbo being Jimbo. That's who you are. We don't have to keep lying for these guys. Oh, uh, uh, you know, it just means more. It just looks like it means just as much as it does to everybody else this year, huh? Now, the only way.
1: In most of these conferences you get to is the weird hang up of I beat you in the regular season, you beat me in the conference title. There is a scenario where a 12 and 1 Texas, 12 and 1 Oklahoma, who have two tight games, make a case for that top four, who are, by the way, quasi SEC teams right now. Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, will not be on hand at the Red River shootout. Instead, Greg Sankey will, which is just a really, again, further proof that this is an SEC matchup uh, already in the eyes of that conference. In, in the Pac 12, that's where things get really hairy with all right well now if we decided that utah is not good and 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 where does where does usc fall in this and oregon has kind of still flown under the radar as a team that's really good we we haven't talked a lot about them over in the sec if you have a 12 and 1 bama a 12 and 1 georgia no way you keep both out but it's the question of does that actually happen in the acc Can Florida State be a representative for that conference? And then, of course, in the Big Ten, as we both mentioned, you got Ohio State, Michigan, who both made it in last year. Do they repeat there Does Penn State sneak in? With this four-team format, it's going to be really interesting to see if anybody can get to. uh, One thing I do circle here is the amount of teams that just didn't exist to us a couple of weeks ago that I do want to bring up. The Kentucky, Duke, Fresno State, Louisville, who is ranked right now in the top 25. Uh, There are Oregon State, Washington State, both being top 15. There are teams, Dono, that we were not ready for this season that have been so, so good that are still not getting the love they deserve despite being big surprises in college football.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Louisville because they have a couple things really going for them this year. Number 1 is they're a good football team as I expected them to be and you know, bringing back Brom to be their head coach, it seems to be paying early dividends. They've also got by ACC standards the I believe easiest schedule in the entire conference um you know obviously I'm going to be watching them against Miami uh second to last weekend of the year that's the toughest matchup that they have on paper outside of that if they keep playing the way that they're playing they could have a 10 and 2 11 and 1 type of year without even really breaking a sweat so that's definitely a team to keep an eye on right uh you know if they were to get to the ACC championship and face the likes of a Florida State, I wouldn't imagine it would go very well for them, but that's a good team with a cake schedule, which is a good recipe to have a great record this year.
1: Yeah. Kenton, uh, any of these teams that jump off the page to you as, hey, look, we're not talking about this undefeated darling right now, but maybe they make noise later on.
2: I think that I'd have to agree with Donnell and Louisville. I mean, I honestly, as much as I like Devin Leary, I don't think that Kentucky has the goods to... Uh, make it through the SEC. But if they do, I think that's more of a reflection on the ACC than it is of how good they are. Ray Davis is phenomenal. He's amazing. But the reality is you can put eight in the box and kind of neutralize that. You can put seven in the box when when they're running some spread looks and you can neutralize that. So I I think that Louisville is a team that is terrifying. And and I say terrifying because I've said this on Locked on ACC and I'll say it here. Louisville is four – to five elite performances from Jack Plummer away from being a college football playoff team. Now I know that that's asking for a lot. I know that an elite performance from Jack Plummer is at that's a tall order. That's not exactly your your venti at uh, Starbucks. That's your or no no that's not your grande at Starbucks. That's your venti. That's your that's your big boy there. That's the one that's coming with all the extra whipped cream and a little crunch on top. But the reality is, Jamari uh, Jamari thrash superstar, phenomenal. When he gets the ball in his hands, he's electric. Joe R. Jordan, if he's even, he's leaving. If you leave him a crease, as Katie did at the doorstep, strike up the band. Cardinals reservation for six in the end zone. And then you've got a defense that again, although they've struggled at times, very good at taking away the ball. Ashton Gelati can get home. So that is a team that I'm looking at and saying, all right, they can be something special now. They can be something much more special than I originally believed that they can be.
1: Yeah, coming up, Locked on Kentucky, Lance Daw. I mean, we got another. another that's the big Florida win, you know, but Florida's not good. So we count that as a quality victory. <laughs> no. Let's get the rundown of this Kentucky team from Lance. But first, Dono.
0: Well, guys, I want to talk about LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, there's no downside here. And I know this works because as an employee, I have found opportunities through LinkedIn Jobs before. When you add your job and that purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, people are going to see it. People are out there looking for work and they're going to go after your opportunities. So spread that word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Guys, it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Coming up, one of our games of the week in a sneaky playoff hopeful. Kentucky, Georgia, Lance Daw joins the show. Lance Daw joining Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Uh, Lance, look, not a lot of people nationally are giving Kentucky as much love as the Wildcats probably deserve right now. Do you agree with that assessment going into this Georgia game?
4: I think when you look at what Kentucky's accomplished so far this season, I think it's absolutely fair to have a little bit of doubt when you take a look at Kentucky's unblemished record. Obviously, the month of September was relatively easy for UK. I mean, they went, they scraped by Akron, Eastern Kentucky, Ball State, a couple of really easy opponents, uh, went over to Vanderbilt, had a couple of uh, pick sixes really aid them in that big-time win on the road, scored a lot of points, but at the end of the day, I, I think that looking at this Kentucky team right now, coming out of this Florida game, I think a lot of fans surrounding <laughs> I think a lot of fans surrounding the team are excited about it but go and look at that Florida game I don't necessarily know if that's a if that's a situation where you watch Kentucky's ground game really take off you watch Ray Davis explode for 300 or on nearly 300 yards I don't necessarily know if that's a Kentucky strength or a Florida weakness here. And it was what you were saying a minute ago, Drake about just how I I don't really know if Florida or excuse me, Kentucky has played a quality opponent up until this point. And we're going to really find out on Saturday, whether or not they are worth their salt. Now, again, I want to reiterate not a whole lot in terms of uh, legitimate opponents that they've seen. So, I don't really know if we have a ton of data to truly tell us whether or not Kentucky is capable of competing this weekend against the Bulldogs. I think after we get this game uh, and, and if they somehow come out with a win, then we'll have a really good idea of where they stand.
0: Something that I'm always curious about, Lance, is, you know, the, the, the matchup against
4: Brock Bowers, Carson Beck. How's that looking on paper? Well, I think right now with Kentucky and what they've got in their defense, it's not necessarily an individual that can cover Brock Bowers because as we identified last weekend, uh, nobody can cover Brock Bowers. Auburn tried throwing literally everyone in the kitchen sink at Bowers and they could not find anybody to cover him. I don't think Kentucky has an individual on this team that can. Now it's just finding different ways to kind of lock him up with more than one individual. But I will say this, an area that Auburn struggled with last weekend and I think an area that Kentucky could struggle with this weekend is third down. Kentucky, or excuse me, Georgia went to Bowers continuously on third down and he was always open. I'm really concerned considering Kentucky has had struggles this year getting off the field. I'm concerned that Kentucky may be in for a rude awakening on defense with Brock Bowers. It's just one of those situations where nobody can really stop him, but can you kind of limit him? I don't necessarily know if Kentucky has the dudes to do it. I don't know if the stats necessarily reflect that. So uh, it's a major concern heading into this weekend.
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, I'm sorry for be- bigging up Louisville so much here in this last segment. I know it hurts your heart a little bit to hear that. But um, with that being said, tell me what about this Kentucky team that the rest of the world, tell me what it is about this team that the rest of the world doesn't know that they need to get acclimated to, right? Because anybody who watches Kentucky play, even as a casual fan, you're going to hear the name, Ray Davis, sweet baby Ray, you know, baby face Ray. You're going to hear about Ray all day long, but tell us Who are the unsung heroes that if this upset is to be pulled off, this guy will be a massive part of? Well, I
4: think right now, Kentucky, one of the most impressive things that they've done so far this season is they've really maintained a a strong turnover margin, which is something that they were not able to do over the past couple of seasons underneath defensive coordinator Brad White. I think right now, when you look at Kentucky and what they've got going on on that defensive end, or I think they've got a lot of different guys in the secondary that you have to be impressed with. I'm trying to, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to pull up his last name because I always botch it on my show just to make sure that I don't uh, botch Maxwell Hairston's last name. He currently has three interceptions on the season. Two of them have been returned for touchdowns. He has been a game changer for the Wildcats so far this season. Kentucky's got a number of different guys in the secondary that have been, uh, I think, uh, I don't necessarily know if lucky is the right word, but just in the right place at the right time when it comes to creating some of these turnovers and immediately turning into it into points. But look across this defensive backfield. I think that you could find a number of different guys if you want to talk about unsung heroes. Trevin Wallace, Alex Safari, like I said, Maxwell Hairston. You've got several guys on this back end that you have to be really impressed with the way that they've played so far this season. I think Kentucky and their secondary is maybe a little bit underrated Uh, So far this year, and I think it could be a big help for them in some conference games, maybe some more home games here where they start to create some turnovers and it really starts to create a gap between them and whoever the opponent is, because Kentucky has proven if you're going to give us the takeaways, we will cash them in for points and they have made people really pay for that. So I would have to go with the secondary as a whole, but Maxwell Hairston has been an excellent, excellent player.
1: Lance elevator pitch here in short, will Kentucky make the playoff?
4: Uh, I would say that Kentucky's got a legitimate shot if they win this weekend. I think that the SEC East outside of Georgia has a lot of really solid but not elite teams. Anybody can beat anybody this year. I think Kentucky's strength in the trenches. I, I do like this D-line, but, man, this O-line last weekend, if they play like they did last week against Florida, if they do that again for several SEC games, you're not a fan. You're not
6: a fan Somebody eye, take, away
2: Brendan, take away Brendan's <laughs> thumbs down. Take away his thumb down and his mute feature. Snatch them both. Ali oh uh uh Zach, get him out of here. Get it, get, get, get him off the controls, please. Ali, I'm sorry, not Ali. Ali. My Ali. Bad. Get it, get him out of here. Get I him think,
4: out of here. I think right now Kentucky's passing offense is still a work in progress. I believe with the plethora of receivers that day or excuse me, uh, uh that Devin Leary has to throw to this can be a better offense as the year goes on. Uh maybe we see that. Maybe we see Kentucky, you know, start to strengthen that area of their game and They win some games here down the road. They beat Louisville by a million at
1: the end of the year, and we call it a day. Wow. Elevator to the top of the Empire State Building. That's Lance Daw. Locked on Kentucky. Lance, thanks for joining Locked on College. We'll kick off live.
4: Yes, sir. Absolutely.
1: Thanks, Lance. All right, quickly, before we get out of here, guys, the biggest games of the week, let's pick them just quick. I mean, I want to throw out two teams. You give me who wins, Alabama and Texas A&M, Dono. Uh,
0: Alabama is going to win that game. Uh, I, I would like to see Texas A&M win it to kind of inject some new blood. Uh, I, I think Milrow's going to be good enough. And I know Max Johnson played well last week. He's taken over for Connor Wigman, who's out for the year. But Johnson, I don't think, has enough mobility. I think that's going to be something that hurts Texas A&M down the road. And they're not winning this game. I'm going with Bama.
2: Getting. Yeah, I, I've got Bama as well. Again, Jimbo is known for uh, not showing up in these big games, and I think this is another one where Texas AM and falls flat on his face.
1: AM already got its home win against Alabama a couple of years ago. It's not happening again. Alabama wins it. Oklahoma, Texas, Kenton.
2: Who Texas. Hook them horns. I, I think that Oklahoma will put up a good fight. I think that it will be closer than many people think it will be. But too much Quinn years. I think that he has this Hosman moment in this game to kind of – Asserts, inserts himself into that conversation. Texas covers the five points for me, Dono.
0: Yeah, I think Oklahoma puts up a good fight for two and a half to three quarters
1: and then the horns pull away. LSU and Missouri, give me the Tigers
2: of LSU, Cannon, <laughs> Listen, y'all heard me. I'm with Drake. I'm, I'm with my guy, Eli Drinkwitz, because, again, there's only one coach in this game who has not snatched defeat from the jaws of victory so effortlessly at such a high clip. And his last name ain't Kelly. He's not part of the Tiger family. He's just a Missouri Tiger. Dono? Point well taken, but I'm
1: going to go
0: with the Tigers of the Bayou Bengal variety still to win a close one.
1: Kentucky and Georgia just for fun. Give me the Wildcats this week on the road because at some point the magic has to run out. Georgia's been just pretty bad in a couple of games despite winning. I'm going to take Kentucky despite you
2: guys likely not, Kenton. Here's the thing. I'm with you when you're right, Drake. I'm Uh with you when you're right. Uh And let me tell you this. I feel like they're one Devin Leary breakout game away from beating Georgia. But I'm not sure if Devin Leary delivers a breakout game here. I thought that last week would be the week and he was he was good. He wasn't great last week. I got Georgia winning the close one. But don't be surprised if Drake comes on here with his shades talking about he bought receipts, baby, next week.
1: I got toes. I have 11 toes now. If it happens, there you, go.
2: There you go. Yeah, I listen, obviously,
0: Georgia hasn't looked as dominant as expected. They've uh-huh. earned enough benefit of the doubt from me uh, based on the last couple of years for me to say they're doing enough to win games, and that's going to continue this week.
1: I love it. That's. Kenton Gibbs from Locked On ACC and Locked On Wolfpack. Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. I'm Drake Toll from Locked On Big 12. Thanks for making this your lunchtime listen every single Friday. This has been Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Remember to watch it live every single Friday, noon to one, on your favorite Locked On College channel YouTube.
7: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On
1: podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.